John 1, verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Please pray with me. Dear Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word that you've given us. Thank you for this church community and for the new faces that you've brought this year. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with your spirit, that your love would be present here, and and that everyone would know us, know us by our love. It comes from you, not from us. But Jesus, please increase in our lives. Um, Help us to decrease. Help us to be wise and to listen to Brian's words this morning and to live our lives accordingly. Bless him. Give him strength um, and the ability to to speak truth, uh, your truth to us this morning. Jesus, we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. My name is Brian. If uh, you are new, welcome here to uh, our church. Welcome to the property. Um, Before we open up, God's word, I want to uh, invite a friend to come up, and uh, Flora, I think you're sitting back there. We're going to pray for Flora. Probably three quarters of the church, or more, I don't even know, but a lot, really don't know me at all, but uh, Flora knows me because I taught Flora in eighth grade, and uh, one of the benefits about staying in, in, uh, in one place for a long time is you get to see people grow up. And uh, so I've known Flora since she was in middle school, um, but she's leaving today for a, a big adventure. So you yeah. want to let people know? Um, Here's, so I you have just, a nice voice. Oh. You, you want the mic? <laughs> uh, I can use the mic. 
Um, so I just graduated Oaks Christian High School in Westlake. Uh, yeah, and so, so I um, am leaving for June. <laughs> um, Bo, you want to come on up? And Mom, Andre, if you want to come up too, you're welcome to if you'd like. Anyone else in the family? Ray or Andrew? No, this is a big deal. Uh, it's not like she's going to Santa Monica Junior College. It's that close. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't mean that in that way, but she's going across... Across the pond to the other side. It's a big, long trip. So let's pray for Flora. Flora, I just want to bless you during this adventure. Father, we love you, and we ask your blessing, your protection over Flora as she um, furthers her education uh, in a new place. And so we ask for um, just a curiosity in her heart, um, a desire to follow you, a desire to love you, instill in her wisdom, give her insight, protect her heart, protect her mind, and protect her body. We just love you, Father, and we just ask, um, you just put your blessing, your favor upon Flora. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, Flora. That's right. <clears throat> All right, one last thing, just really quick. I really want to encourage you um, to, to go beyond Sunday mornings. Home groups will start up soon. Um, the men's retreat. Um, I'll be straightforward with you. When I was younger and going to church, I really didn't want to do any of that kind of stuff at all. I'd rather just do my own thing. And what I've found out as I've gotten older is you are really missing out. If you, if you don't enter into new friendships and keep building new, deeper, stronger friendships, you're just missing out. And so <clears throat> we've wanted to, from the very beginning, not just do church as normal. Church as normal means you just stay in the periphery, no one gets to know you, and you just cruise along in your life. And so we say we want you to enter in and be friends. And what I can tell you is that Five or six core families that started our church, we're still friends. We still like each other. We still hang out together. And so um, we're in this for the long run because we love Jesus. We love each other. And we're saying, come on, be a part. And you'll see um, some of the good things we have and some of the hard things too, some of the things we need to work on. But we all have uh, things we need to work on, so we do it together. This morning we're starting... um, a new series called Come and See, and the idea is, I think it's on your bulletin, that um, the need to, to come and see Jesus, not a new set of religious rules, not a new do-it-yourself spirituality, but to come and see Jesus for himself. <clears throat> read a couple of interesting articles and I'll just share just briefly part of it with you. They're from the Huffington Post. 
about the decline of religion in America, of mainstream Protestant religion. Here's one thing from the article entitled The End of Church by Diana Butler, and she wrote this. Americans are extremely warm towards spirituality, but not religious. And even more interesting, the terms spiritual and religious mean, um, religion means institution, spirituality means a connection with God. Americans are abandoning the Catholic Church. Americans are abandoning mainline Protestant denominations. Most people who study such things pinpoint the 60s to early 70s when mainline evangelical, mainline Protestant churches began to fall in numbers. One last thing says this. The religious market collapse happened with an astonishing speed. In 1999, surveyors asked Americans, do you consider yourself spiritual or religious? The solid majority of 54% responded that they were religious. 54% responded they were not, they were religious but not spiritual. Ten years later, 2009, only 9% of Americans responded that way. In 10 years, those willing to identify themselves primarily as religious plummeted by 45 points. There is an obvious discontent with mainline Protestant churches. And so people are turning towards spirituality. People are much more comfortable with that word. Part of the problem with this the, the fall of mainline Protestant churches is the emphasis on human behavior, the emphasis on tradition, the emphasis on um, following rules. And some of you took the handout, and this is a very important distinction. I put this on the church Facebook page too. But what Jesus is offering, Jesus is not offering religion in the sense of how it's used on the handout. And I just want to hit a few brief things because this is just foundational. It is critical to understanding who we are at the gathering. Religion would say this, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The default mode for most people, for most Christians, is that exact point right there. That God accepts you based on how well you perform and live out your Christianity. If you build your life on the pursuit of Christian values, if you build your life on the pursuit of moral values, you will abandon that type of religion in a matter of time. The Gospel says, I'm accepted because of what Jesus did, and because of what Jesus did, you obey tremendous, radical, significant distinction between how we would understand religion and the gospel. Religion is fading in America when it puts a heavy burden on people that cannot um, fulfill their expectations. And so, what we're going to do for the next few weeks, we're going to look more carefully at what Jesus says when he says, come and see. And Jesus is not offering a new set of religious rules. He's not offering a self-help spirituality. What he's offering is he's offering himself to you. And there's just two things. So 
try to be straightforward, try to be clear this morning. Number one, I think it's on your handout bulletin, I want you to come and see Jesus for yourself. We'll talk about that. Come and see Jesus for yourself, and then come and see Jesus together. We all have our own life stories. We all have personal experiences. Some of us have church backgrounds. Some of us don't. And what I'm asking for you is that you come and you look at Jesus. You don't come and look at the Malibu gathering. You don't come and look at me. You don't come and look at church problems. There's probably many of you here this morning that are trying another church again for the sixth time, the seventh time, the eighth time, and you feel burned by churches. And so what I'm saying for you this morning, we all have a past, but what I want you to do, what, I'm, what I hope that we will all do, is that we will come and see Jesus, that you will come and look at Jesus for yourself. We all have a story, and just very briefly, I can tell you this, that in my own story, when I got to the point in my life where I wanted to come and see Jesus, it changed my life from an angry, an angry young man at God, at my own family, and I was very comfortable with hard alcohol to take away my problems, to numb you from the anger, from the bitterness. And I know that there are people here this morning that struggle with anger, that struggle with bitterness, that struggle with broken hearts, and you're turning and trying other things. And I want to say to you, yes, you can try Jack Daniels or Jim Beam or other such things, but they will never heal a broken heart. They will never heal an angry heart. Come and see Jesus means take a risk. Your life might be changed. It might be changed forever. And so in this story, this straightforward story of Jesus calling his disciples, the very beginning of his public ministry, he says to them, hey, come and see. Come and look at me. You might be a Christian here this morning who's on cruise control, life is going well, you're happy and everything's just great. You might have to come and see Jesus and see him as the lion, the sovereign king and ruler of this world who has called you to be actively involved in ministry and serving the body of Christ. And you're very comfortable and complacent just doing your own thing. You might need to come see Jesus. You might be a broken-hearted Christian who's struggling with real fear, real insecurities, and you need to see Jesus as the comforter, as the healer. But all of us, whatever place you're at this morning, you need to come and see Jesus first for yourself. And so this morning we'll look at three things that help us understand what that means to come and see Jesus for yourself. And we're not going to go through the whole passage that Joel read, but we're going to pick up in verse 43, where it says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew. Uh, now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and, and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, 
We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of, Nazare Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Okay, so number one, what does it mean to come and see Jesus? To come and see Jesus means you are willing to think for yourself, that you are willing to ask questions, that you are willing to investigate Jesus for yourself. Now is the time for you to begin thinking more carefully, more intently, asking more questions about who Jesus is. Ultimately, that's the most important question you can ask in your life. There are questions that are legitimate questions about problems the church has done, problems in church history, and all the bad things that have happened in the world because of the church and because of Christian, Christians. And to that I can say, granted. But that is not the issue. The issue is, come and see, come and look at who Jesus is. Stop making excuses about all the other problems and things that people have done and come and look for yourself. Ask questions. Investigate. Nathaniel is a sincere man with questions. Later on we'll talk about where Jesus identifies his heart and what kind of man he is. He is a sincere man. He's not duplicitous. He's not trying to trick Jesus. He's asking questions. And some of you ask questions. Can anything good come out of church? Can anything good come out of the Bible? Nathaniel asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, the answer was yes, Jesus came out of Nazareth. And so I encourage you, develop in your life now the idea of looking at Jesus for yourself and think. We love it when people think. We love it when you ask questions. We love it when you search the Bible and ask questions. Part of the problem with mainline, and I'm, well, I'm not trying to be critical, but part of the problem with tradition after years and years and years, it's more this attitude. I'm telling you this, now you do it. And what I want to say to you is investigate for yourself. Read the Gospel of John and ask questions. Search out who Jesus is. And how do you know if you've done that? How do you know if you've come to that point where you've really thought through the issues? I'm going to read just a very short part from uh, C.S. Lewis that helps us understand this. How do you know if you've actually done that? How do you know if you're being intellectually honest if you've thought through issues about who Jesus is? Because what often happens, the honest truth, I think, is often we are intellectually lazy and we don't want to engage our minds and ask hard questions. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about how do you know if you've sought out Jesus, if you've thought for yourself about who Jesus is. He begins by saying this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. And here's that foolish thing that people sometimes say. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I, I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he has poached an egg 
or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. You can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about being a great human teacher. He has not left us open to that. He did not intend to. So you can be intellectually honest and say he was a lunatic. At least maybe you've opened up your Bible and thought through it for yourself. The crucial foundational issue about who Jesus is and his claims has to do with chapter 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was the claim that drove the religious leaders insane, that created animosity and anger and to the point where they're going to crucify Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, is the example, the story where Jesus claims to be the one who forgives sins. Let me give you a human example to show you how crazy this can be. If a husband and wife come to me seeking guidance as a pastor, coming for counseling, and the husband has cheated on his wife, they're trying to figure out how to resolve the issue and move forward, and I look at them and say to the man, Joe, your sin is forgiven. Move on. What would the wife's response be? She would say, you're a lunatic. She would probably use swear words and say, he didn't do anything to offend you. I'm the one he sinned against. So just as stupid as that would be for me to say, that was the claim that Jesus made. I am the one, I am the Son of God. I am the one who forgives sins. That is the claim, the ultimate claim of Jesus' deity, that he is the forgiver of sins. So, number one, to come and see Jesus for yourself means you are willing to think, that you are willing to investigate, that you're willing to ask questions about who Jesus is. Number two, to come and see Jesus for yourself means you know that he knows all about you. To come and see Jesus means that you know that he knows all about you. And Nathaniel experiences that firsthand. Nathaniel is described as a man without deceit. Jesus knows his heart. Think about this just for a second. I, don't, I won't press it too hard because it will probably create much anxiety. But Jesus knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking about right now. Hurry up and finish. I want to go play in the ocean. <laughs> he knows what you're thinking about. Or a little delay reaction back there, Ori. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to push this too hard. He knows what you're thinking. Friday night, 10 o'clock, you're out with your girlfriend. All you guys, he knows what you are thinking. Your deepest fears, your deepest insecurities, your anger, your frustration, your anxiety... Jesus knows what you're thinking. He knows all of who you are. The anger that you're dealing with, 
the frustration, the broken relationships, Jesus knows exactly what you're thinking. And you've got to know that. Beyond knowing what's going on in your heart, Jesus is also omniscient. He knows everything about you. Look where it says, verse 48, Nathanael says to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. He recognizes, Nathanael recognizes that Jesus is omniscient, that he knows everything internally and externally about you. You are fully known by Jesus. Now that can be a scary thing and a beautiful thing. And here's what's important for you to know. That Jesus knows everything about you. Everything about you. And he says, follow me. I want you to be a part of my life. I want to be closely connected to you. To come and see Jesus for yourself means that you understand in your mind and in your heart that Jesus knows everything about you and he loves you. And he says, behold, I'm the Lamb of God, the one who forgives sins. That embarrassing thing, that humiliating thing, that regretful thing you've done, Jesus says, I know. I know and I love you and I forgive you. If you want to come and see Jesus for yourself, you have to think, you have to ask questions, you have to investigate, but you also have to know that he knows everything about you. Third, come and see Jesus means to follow him. It means to change your life. Over and over again, you'll see in the Gospels and even in these, chapters, these early chapters of John where Jesus says, follow me. follow me, and it's a process. And what we learn from the disciples here is that they incrementally understand what that means. And you'll find that out too as you live your life, that you'll deepen your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. But the question is, following Jesus through the routine of your life, Monday at 2 o'clock, Saturday at 11 p.m., following Jesus it means you're willing to accept and think through the challenge, the honest and real and sincere challenges of what it means to follow Jesus while we live in this broken world. To come and see Jesus means you follow Jesus. Many people, many people will follow Jesus from afar, but they don't want to be close. Many people want to be a fan of Jesus, but few want to be followers of Jesus. Another way to think about it is many people want to date Jesus, but nobody wants to marry Jesus. And there is a huge difference. When you're dating, you come and go as you please. When you're married, and if one of you still acts like you're dating... 
It's only a matter of time before there is tension in your marriage. Marriage means all. Marriage means you're deeply connected. Married doesn't mean you're married from Sunday mornings from 10 to noon and you get to do whatever you want on Friday night. Married means all. Married means you stop playing, you stop flirting with other people. When you're dating, you can be a fan. But when you're married, we understand the commitment level. And it helps us understand, and you can only answer this question, if you're a fan of Jesus, like, yeah, you like it. I like to sing nice songs, make me, make me feel good, beautiful um, songs and amazing musicians, and I like that feeling. <coughs> but are you willing to come and see Jesus to the point where it will change your life? Look at verse 51 for just a moment, and you'll see something really interesting. Jesus says in verse 51, And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you. That's the way Jesus speaks when he says, Hey, listen up. He's, two things he means when he says that, when he repeats the word truly, truly, or, or amen, amen. Number one, this is true. This is true. What I'm saying to you is that this is true. And here's what happens so often. We don't care if it's true. What I care about is how does it make me feel? And what Jesus is saying is, listen, what's more important is this. What's most important is, is what I'm saying. Is it true? Push your feeling response aside and ask yourself this. Is it true? That's what matters. And Jesus is saying, truly, truly. He's saying, what I'm telling you right now, it is true. Number two, it's authoritative. It matters. Jesus, when he says, follow me, says, what I'm telling you is true. What I'm telling you matters. That there is authority in the words of Jesus. Here's a human relationship that helps us understand, maybe. Do you have anyone in your life that can contradict you? Do you have a friend that can say, no, you are wrong? How do you respond? Do you have anyone in your life that can challenge you? Do you have a friend in your life that can force you or ask you to rethink through what you're doing or what you're saying? That's a human example, a check on your life to see what voice does Jesus have in your life. When I say, come and see, come and look at Jesus, it means that he's, he'll change your life. And he will challenge, he will contradict you. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Think about this just for a moment. Part of the gospel's critique on self-help spirituality is that there is an authority, and the authority is Jesus. And when we think carefully about this for just a moment, do we really want to create a Christianity? Do we really want to create a spirituality that we've made up in our own minds? Think about your own flaws. Think about who you are. And our natural tendency is to make up our own system, our own code, our own view of what it means to follow Jesus. 
we naturally create a system of following Jesus that we like, that fits us. We all have different personalities. We all have different temperaments. And what Jesus is saying is that what I'm telling you is true, what I'm telling you has authority, that transcends all personalities. Do you have that in your life? Jesus, when you're a follower of his, wants to change your life. Does Jesus have authority in your life? To come and see Jesus means you're willing to think. To come and see Jesus means that you're willing to ask questions, you're willing to investigate, you're willing to think through core issues. Come and see Jesus means you're willing to change your life. That you're willing to give him that place of authority in your life. That's number one. Number two then is come and see Jesus together. Come and see Jesus together. Over and over, and, and I don't have time this morning, but I won't read it, but if you just read this over and over and over again, it's us and we in the first part that Joel read this morning. Um, we've got Andrew and Simon. In the next section, we've got uh, Philip, um, Nathaniel, Andrew, Peter. We've got all these guys. And one of the things that we learn early on in the ministry of Jesus is that it's always together. It's always together. Let me give you one example. Verse 44 says this, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. P Philip found Nathanael and said to him, Look what he said. He didn't say, I found him. He said, we found him. It's always together. It's always with people. You, listen, you're missing out on so much of what it means to follow Jesus if you never enter into deep friendships with people and you live it out together. And there's two ways. Formally, there are home groups where we say, hey, we're going to share our lives. We're going to have dinner together or dessert or whatever we want but we're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. That's formal. Informally, this means it happens on your own, one-on-one, -on -one, small groups on your own, last-second phone calls, texts. What does this mean to you? You're talking with people about it, of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, sometimes I'll get together with a few friends, and we'll just talk about our lives, and... If there's three or four of us and we're talking about just what it means to follow Jesus in our lives, if one of those people is missing, if that one personality is missing, it's noticeable. I'm telling you right now, I've got friends in my life that I want to live out what it means to follow Jesus, and if one of those friends is missing, that unique insight is missed. And what happens is, and C.S. Lewis talks about this, and this is where it even like, began to think in my mind. And, I, and, and I'll even be honest with you, I still have, I really miss Todd still. And it, it's hard for me, but, you know, we, we move forward. But one personality, one starts a question, and then someone else answers that, and then that prompts another question. You'd never get that on your own. Yes, you need to come and see Jesus for yourself, but don't ever stop there. You have to come and see Jesus together. Let me show you one other place where this is in this passage. Um, 
John chapter 1, verse 51 says this, and this is what you might have a footnote in your Bible, but you would only see this in the original language, and it says this, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, that you is plural. So if you're from the south, that would be the you all. That's what Jesus is saying, you all, not just you one person. My Bible has a little footnote that says the Greek for you is plural, used two times in this verse. Truly, truly, I say to everyone, you, everyone, will see heaven open up. Come and see Jesus together. I always get worried, concerned for people that just fade away and disconnect. We're meant to live this out together. We all have a vital voice. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or a short time. Your voice matters. It is foundational, it is crucial for the life of our church for people to share their lives together. Not to go and be independent. Not to go and do your own thing. If you've traveled around the world a little bit and you come back to the United States, you will notice one of the things about our American culture is that we are fiercely independent. We don't like anyone bothering us this is especially true in our local area. I don't got my life. I'm happy. Don't bother me. <clears throat> it's interesting to note just even the value of like knowing our neighbors, of knowing your na- people that live in your neighborhood that are your next door neighbors or your roommates. Do you know your neighbors? How well do you initiate friendship with people? I can tell you this right now, in all sincerity, that God has seriously changed my heart. Because there used to be a, there was a lot, I don't know when, but years ago, where I just didn't like people. I just want to go surf by myself or with one or two good friends. Because what happens is, and this is just true, people are fallen. We are broken people. And maybe a, a good example of this is even just going to the beach. Fourth of July, July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, beautiful, nice, clean beach. What happens on the morning of July 5th around here? The beaches, what do they look like? Trash. Because human beings are there. (laughs) It's It's a perfect analogy of our church. Listen, if you're new, broken people, want to be humble people. We want to follow Jesus in every area of your life. But we need each other to live it out, to bring out areas that need healing, to bring areas of our life that need the light. There are areas in our lives where there is darkness. Come and see Jesus together. Come and see Jesus for yourself. Come and see Jesus and draw your own conclusions. Come and see Jesus and enter in. Two times in John chapter 1, the phrase is about Jesus is this. John says this, Behold the Lamb of God. Not a lamb, but the Lamb of God. God came to the earth to reconcile hurting, broken people to the living, almighty God. 
John chapter 1 ends with the phrase, the Son of Man. And John will use that phrase over and over and over again to point to this, to the point that Jesus has come to die on the cross. That was his mission. If you want to come and see Jesus, you need to come and see him for all of who he is as the Lamb. When lambs are brought to their death, they are brought as meek, suffering, soon-to-be-dead animals. And Jesus picks that very graphic picture to say that our sin, our brokenness, is that deep and that strong that it takes the blood of the Lamb to bring healing to people. And that's who Jesus is. That was his mission. That is what he was about. That is what will bring life to your life. As we continue in worship this morning, I just want to invite you to come and see Jesus, to think for yourself, to draw conclusions, to ask questions, to think carefully about your life, about ultimate issues about your life, what's honestly important to you. And I would invite you that the Holy Spirit will prompt our hearts and show us that following Jesus, that allowing Him to change our lives is truly what it means to come and see Him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would speak to us through Your Word, that Your Holy Spirit would attend to these words, that our lives would be changed, that we would leave here encouraged, strengthened, to come and see you for ourselves, but also to come and see you together. Father, I pray that we would be a church family where we are willing to go deep with each other, where we are willing to go all in with each other, where we are willing to love each other, despite our flaws that we all have, that we would learn to follow you together in every area of our lives. We love you, Jesus. I ask these things in your name. Amen.